The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. This is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perra columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. We've got an interesting one today, a, uh, a new IPO called Bayrock Resources. Once it's on the ASX, it will presumably have the code BAY to keep things nice and simple. It's seeking to raise between 10 to $12 million at 20 cents a share with uh, one for five attached free options. It's, um, its focus is northern Sweden, nickel, and uh, all the nickel, uh, the full suite of battery materials, copper and cobalt as well. Picked up uh, an advanced ex- historic project and some exciting early exploration targets. And uh, to bring us up to speed with uh, Bayrock's uh, uh, history and uh, where it's going in northern Sweden, we have Dr. Ian Pringle. Now, many people will know Ian, but uh, we might start out firstly uh, introducing. G'day, Ian. How are you? Hi, Barry. Good to good to catch up again. Hey, I just mentioned there you're well known around the traps, but for those who haven't come across you, and given Bayrock is uh, going to be a new ASX listed company, it'd be great if you could give us a bit of a uh, background on your professional career today. Oh, thanks, Barry. Yep, I um, well, I'm based here in Sydney, and I've um, I've been uh, exploration geologist for several decades with uh, uh, lots of interesting projects. Um, I guess uh, most recently, um, a Cobalt Blues Cobalt project in in Broken Hill. I was managing that project and and discovered the railway deposit, which is their largest deposit. But I've also had a, a background in, in silver, uh, Bowden silver deposit. I've put a lot of time in there and uh, and found a big extension to that and uh, several other mines. Sepon, I worked there with uh, Ox Minerals, o- Oxiana Minerals and now Oz Minerals. Um, and that was a very successful project. So more recently, I've focused very much on, uh, on, on what we call the electric metals. And that's taken me to um, uh, look at some of these nickel and high cobalt deposits, sulfide deposits. And uh, we think we've got a fantastic group of them in, in northern Sweden. And that's a, a lo- lovely location to be working. All right. Okay. Now, you've been, as you've mentioned, you've been around the traps there for a while. But what's your excitement level with this one? Look, I'm right up there in the <laughs> uh, high 90s on the excitement level. And a, because we've picked up a, uh, a small but very high-grade uh, um, deposit called Langeau. It's in the Skelefti mining district. So all around it, we've got infrastructure and, uh, and, and a local workforce. It's been a mining district there with Bolladen mining there for uh, nearly 100 years. And, um, uh, you know, it's got a, a battery factory that's being built by uh, Northvolt uh, just a, an hour's drive away. Uh, but it's a it's a handsome prospect that has been um, uh, that has lots of potential to grow in size. So um, we've we're off to a terrific start. Already got thirteen thousand meters of core drilling that we didn't have to spend, uh, and we've got a, a bunch of other peripheral projects um, uh, immediately round Langeau and also uh, in in five other tenement areas to the north of Skelefti, where um, we've all got uh, all of them have got really good-looking um, drill intersections of, of good-grade uh, nickel and most with, with good-grade cobalt. So we're very excited about those. 
Right. And the, those latter ones, that's what you're calling the Northern Nickel Line? Yeah, we call those the Northern Nickel Line, uh, and they've all got, as I say, walk-up drill targets. Um, we're planning to do some, um, uh, you know, state-of-the-art geophysics, some sky TEM, fly them uh, each of our areas uh, We to, to try and define some of these uh, uh, interesting magmatic nickel targets. Uh, they've been explored in the past, but mostly for, for, uh, for copper, uh, and uh, mostly by Bolladin and small companies really looking at uh, opportunities. But uh, nobody's really looked at them for nickel and cobalt, and they've clearly got some very good uh, starts to deposits uh, in those areas. But uh, with uh, with Langeau, um it's it's been a mine before. We know that it's got the capability to be a mine again. Um, it was a small mine discovered in the 1940s. Uh, and operated uh, for several years, produced about 100,000 tonnes of, of high-grade nickel, uh, and then it closed down at the, uh, towards the end of the war. So uh, there's been nothing really much since, uh, and it's, uh, as I say, a fantastic start to, uh, to what we've got. Uh, just to give you an update on that, I guess um, the drilling, as I mentioned, uh, 42 drill holes or thereabouts, and um, uh, they were all contained in a very small tenement of about 0.4 square kilometres, a tiny little post, postage stamp size. Uh, they couldn't step out of there, obviously. Uh, we've been able to pick up uh, 42 square kilometres, so completely surrounds Langeau, and we've got the depth extension and uh, and and some really good high quality lookalike targets uh, immediately adjacent to Langeau, uh, and we we've got drilling approvals on some of those already. So we'll be hitting the ground running on testing those, and uh, and as I say, the Northern Nickel Line projects as well. Uh, the Langeau comes with a, a small resource at this stage. Yeah, that's uh, just shy of a half million tons. Uh, mm-hmm. as, uh, as I said, it's high nickel. Uh, it's got um, 2.2% nickel in it, and it's got um, some um, good cobalt grades, 0.15% cobalt. It's, uh, that's pretty high for these sort of deposits. Also comes with copper, 0.7% copper in the resource that's defined. It's got uh, uh, quite a bit of palladium, which is interesting, 0.7 grams of palladium a tonne, and also about the same in gold. So it's a multi-commodity type uh, project with nickel being the centrepiece and uh, also obviously uh, considerable cobalt. Uh, it's open at depths. It's open uh, clearly along trend, and um, we've got uh, surrounding that high grade core. We've got a lot of low grade mineralisation that wasn't included in the Jork resource. The Jork resource was undertaken in, uh, three or four years ago, um, and it's Jork compliant. Uh, but clearly, um, we need to add add to, add more tons of grade to that, and we think we've got a very very good chance of doing that. Mm. I think it'd be great if you could uh, just outline to uh, listeners that Europe, of course, has a car industry it wants to protect as the transition to electric vehicles uh, gathers pace. Uh, it's got one sh- problem, though. It's uh, pretty short on uh, the key battery materials. So I guess I'm just trying to gauge what sort of uh, European interest there will be in this project. Well, look, huge, absolutely huge, because uh, European Union and Sweden being a member uh, doesn't produce much in the way of nickel or cobalt at all and ports mostly, uh, most of their requirements. So uh, a deposit like this is uh, is really um, really going to attract a lot of attention, not only in Sweden, but uh, the rest of Europe. And as you're probably aware, the European Union are also introducing a carbon tax. So any import uh, of these sort of metals into the European Union, I think it's uh, 2026, will uh, 
uh, will we'll be hit with a uh, carbon tax, and uh, of course we'll be producing within the union. So we'll be we'll be in a very favourable uh, production spot uh, should we proceed down that road. So we've we've got that, but we've also got gigafactories. They call them gigafactories for building these new uh, lithium-ion batteries. Um, most of these gigafactories are going to take a lot of nickel and cobalt. Um, most of the companies that are doing this work don't want to don't want to find their nickel from uh, uh, you know. Uh, overseas, they want to get it in in uh, in the European Union if they can, and also, of course, they don't particularly want to get their cobalt from the co- uh, from the, the Congo, which produces uh, something like two thirds of the world's cobalt. So, uh, any production that we can uh, we can add to that uh, and and supply to these companies, uh, uh, they'll be very uh, grateful. And we've had a lot of interest actually uh, from. Um, uh, from several of them that we're talking to at the moment, uh, uh, looking at possible offtakes uh, in several well, a number of years' time when we when we are up and running. Mm. Uh, you're, you're touching on an interesting uh, turning point in the nickel market. Uh, as you we're all aware, nickel price is still a fantastic twelve, thirteen dollars a pound um, post that uh, squeeze on the LME early in the year. Uh, but you you see a lot of investment banks at the moment saying, "Oh, well, look, Indonesian production is uh, ramping up," so. Nickel might come under pressure in the next year or two before probably going into a long-term supply deficit uh, post-2025. But the missing piece uh, I think that they're overlooking, and the Europeans are right onto this, of course, is that um, as much as we love our uh, friends in Indonesia, the production of battery-grade material from laterite nickel sources is uh, massively carbon-intensive. I'm just wondering... I know there's a lot of water around in Sweden, and I think they even have a couple of nuclear plants. So I was just wondering, what would be the the carbon emissions intensity of any production that you were able to come up with vis-a-vis what the Indonesians are doing? As you say, we're uh, our nickel deposits are not only hugely um, energy intensive, but they also create huge damage to the environment because they're generally shallow, open cap um, mines over big areas. Will be a a relatively small underground mine, and we will uh, will tap on the energy that Sweden provides, and ninety uh, percent of that is is generated either through their three nuclear power stations or or their multiple hydro power stations. So, uh, with uh, combined with wind, they produce pretty well ninety percent of the Swedish electricity grid. So, uh, it, we'll have favourable electricity. We're also um, very lucky in that uh, Sweden has some of the the best and largest and and uh, most innovative uh, electric mining manufacturers in the, in the world, um, yeah, uh, groups like Sandvit um, and several others produce out of Sweden some of the, um, the most modern uh, electrified mining equipment. They've already started introducing that into some of their own mines and worldwide, uh, and uh, we'll be we'll be talking to them uh, to electrify any any mining operation that we undertake. Uh, that saves a lot of diesel, a huge amount of diesel, not only in the vehicles but in uh, in pumping air and and uh, getting rid of uh, dust and dirt out of the mine so um, we'll we'll be certainly tapping into that and we'll be a, a very green modern mine for sure yeah and just more generally uh, what is your view of the the nickel price at the moment and where do you see it going Look, there was a hump a few a couple of months ago uh, when uh, nickel was um, uh, suspended from trading from the LME and uh, it went into a bit of a hiding spot. I think uh, nickel prices are um, are going to continue to rally, and uh, you know, uh, particularly for Class One nickel, which this is a sulfide nickel deposit, uh, we're looking at a lot of nickel worldwide produced out of Russia. 
which is uh, Norlisk and their group. Uh, in fact, not all that far east of Finland, uh, the big mines there that uh, that are looking at um, you know more and more uh, uh, issues with um, uh, water problems and breakdowns and uh, and and uh, poorer production. And we're also um, looking, of course, at uh, at problems with Russia supplying the world with with their nickel. So mm. uh, there's going to be, I think, uh, a general rise in nickel prices over the years, particularly when some of these big gigafactories uh, get up and running. They take a while. They take uh, several years to build in some cases. And uh, I think there's there's can't tell you how many, but there's a, a, a many dozens now being built in Europe. So uh, they've all got to get their nickel from somewhere. Uh, well, post the IPO, you'll be hitting the ground uh, straight away, will you? Yeah, we've uh, we, we we're on the on the footpath now. We're we're trying to raise, uh, and we're getting some very good interest at the moment. We uh, closing date is the end of July, but we're um, probably close earlier should we fill uh, our maximum. Uh, and we're getting a lot of interest out of Europe, as you would imagine, and particularly out of London. Uh, and uh, we're uh, we're very happy with the way things are progressing. But um, yeah, I think this is a, f- a unique opportunity for uh, for this sort of deposit and uh, and this sort of an, a, a metal group as well. Uh, and having the uh, the combination with uh, with nickel and cobalt just adds a lot of uh, cream to the to the resource for sure. Mm, okay. Uh, what's the field season like over there? Is it uh, pretty short? The field season's all year round, uh, surprisingly. It's not right up in the north. It's not in the Arctic Circle, and uh, it's uh, all year round. It does get snow and ice and cold winters, as you would imagine. Um, I've been working up in uh, in northern Canada for off and on for the last uh, few years, and uh, I know what it's like to work in the winter. It's cold. But we do most of our drilling in the winter, uh, as they do in Sweden, and um, um, uh, we use a, um, a skid-mounted rigs to to pull over the ice, um, and we can drill on lakes for that matter. Uh, but we, you know, it's preferred. The government prefers us to drill with heavy rigs in the in the winter, uh, and it's all done under. Um, you know, uh, central heating um, of, of specialised rigs. So um, easy to get and, um, you know, easy to do. But, of course, our field work is mostly confined to the summer months when there's no uh, snow and ice on the ground. So it's uh, it's a little bit more of a juggle that way, um, but it's all quite workable. And we've got a really good team. Uh, you mentioned in the introduction we've got a good team based at, um, at Langeau. Uh, the the, lo- the local town there is uh, also ha- happens to be the home of the um, northern uh, division of the um, Swedish Geological Survey. They have big offices and work work sheds there. We we um, we share those, or they allow us to share those with them, uh, which is fantastic. It's only a ten minute drive from Langeau. Uh, our geologist on site uh, is an experienced uh, New Zealander like me. She's uh, she's had a lot of time in uh, in Western Australia looking at these sort of deposits, and she's been working out of um, uh, uh, the Langeau district for the last uh, ten years or so. Speaks uh, fluent. Uh, Swedish and uh, and reads Swedish and there's a, a very good reputation um, within the local community for new discoveries and, and running these sort of programs and we're she's well supported by some good technical people that we have also on site uh, Vista. Uh, so all, all's going well there the um, so I can't remember her name but that's 
uh, geologist you're talking about, based in Sweden. Does she won some award? Uh, Amanda Scott, yes, she's she's um, she's won a number of awards, um, uh, but locally, probably my, most importantly, she's won uh, uh, a, 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 she's won uh, the I think it was the tenth Nordic Exploration Award in two thousand. 21, I think, um, okay. which is so really, their version of Diggers and Dealers Award. Kind of, yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. Um, so she's well known in the Nordic exploration community. Uh, community. She's got um, experience in Norway and, and Finland as well, but uh, she lives actually really uh, right on site. So um, uh, she's, a, she's a great geologist, really good yeah. to have her on board. Because yeah, I guess Ian, one of the uh, issues for investors would be, well, how do you manage a, a company exploring in northern Sweden from a, you know, "Quote unquote Sydney, Sydney base, but uh, so how how will that actually operate for the company? The oh, look, I travel a lot. <laughs> I won't yeah. be here in Sydney uh, as soon as we raise our funds. I'll be uh, spending yeah. a lot of time on site. But we'll also um, uh, we've got another uh, director also living in uh, in Sweden, uh, uh, Gavin Taylor Bullen. He's got a, uh, a background in geotech and uh, and 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 various technical. Uh, um, uh, work. He's a Swedish national. Uh, he's on our board as well. He lives in uh, in Sweden. Uh, so I'll be managing the the technical side of things, and I'll be doing that uh, from Sydney as I as I have been in in mm-hmm. uh, in the past in North America. So there'll be a lot of travelling, and uh, I like to get the boots on the ground. And uh, we'll be looking at uh, not only uh, developing land gel, but uh, doing the exploration work on these peripheral departments. We're going to hit the ground running, or should I say, the air running, because We'll uh, we'll be doing an airborne Sky TM survey um, uh, as soon as we uh, we finish listing, and um, that'll cover all our tenements. Impatient uh, investors could be an impatient lot, and they like to see drilling results. When what's the the plan there? You think? Well, I always believe in having ta- you know, and these sort of deposits have always got good targets. Um, hmm. We've been we've been looking closely at securing a, a couple of drill rigs. Um, one looking at deeper drilling capacity where we need to uh, clearly have um, the drill holes properly surveyed. Uh, downhole surveyed and another lighter rig that can move around uh, in the summer and wetter ground conditions but also uh, drilling s- shallow holes. Um, we've got some really good targets of, of really near the surface and, uh, and some of the other target uh, areas in the northern nickel line so uh, we'll be look- looking at a smaller rig from that. So we've been talking to driller contractors uh, and we'll be lining those up to hit the ground uh, certainly um, uh, in, the, in the third and fourth quarters of this year. All right, okay. Just a matter of interest, uh, why Bayrock? <laughs> why the name? twisting uh, <laughs> Swedish well, name. We were a group, um, Joseph Naimi, our chairman, uh, and myself and two or three other guys. We've been looking at, uh, at uh, different projects all over the world. We, we've got some... Uh, projects in 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 spain uh and uh we've had various things in tasmania and the like but uh we really haven't been rushing into it uh we put it into bayrock because that was um you know uh, the initial seed investors including myself we raised some uh, pre-ipo seed money we were all involved in 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 that and contributing that and putting our money where we think uh, the project's going to be going so um we bayrock is i guess named after a, a venture in um uh, named from a venture we had in Tasmania looking at, at, at a quarry complex for um, uh, blue metal. 
Um, so we, we look across a whole lot of different things and looking for uh, fantastic investment opportunities like this. So Bay, Bayrock Resources will be in part owned by Bayrock Materials, so, uh, mm-hmm. which will be the parent company. But as I say, mm-hmm. as you said in the introduction, uh, after we float, um, uh, the share, new shareholders will own a, a good slice, 54% of the issued shares. Yeah, just glad that you haven't uh, named it some tongue-twisting tongue uh, Swedish name. So Bayrock, nice and simple. Okay, so um, I guess uh, lead manager, if uh, people want to, uh, or how should people go about uh, accessing the prospectus, I guess, and um, who should they be speaking to? Yes, well, the, the best thing to do is to go to our website. You can download the prospectus there, and we have also a, a PowerPoint um, uh, uh, clearly describing who we are and what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, RFC Ambrian are our um, corporate okay. advisor and lead managers, and uh, they can be contacted also um, um, mainly through their Perth office, um, and uh, the contact number there is uh, – uh, I can read it out if you like. It's uh, – or hold on, I don't know. I've got it right beside me, but uh, they can—they're they're in Perth, and you can certainly easily get that on our website of uh, Bayrock Resources. Yeah, no, you're right. The, uh, the website's very good. It's uh, got presentations there. The prospectus, obviously, all 300 pages of it. So uh, those interested should go and have a read. An interesting one. Um, if uh, these projects are in the back blocks of WA, they would have been crawled over like uh, no tomorrow for the last 20, 30 years. So. Uh, exciting stuff. Um, so with that, Ian, uh, wish you all the best with it. Uh, be one to watch as the uh, – here we've got a new Nordic uh, battery metals explorer listed on the ASX, tapping into that European demand for uh, battery uh, materials as they uh, protect their car industry going forward or grow into the e-electric vehicle revolution. So with that, Ian, thanks for your time today. Good luck with it all. We'll keep in touch. Thank you very much, Barry. Good talking to you.